0: Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, if so be that you've heard Christ and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore? Putting away lying, let every man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You studied this passage yesterday morning, and we looked at it in the chapel hour as well as in your God night time. And this is a great passage, verse 22, 23, and 24, it's what we want you to be familiar with as this week goes on. You that know Christ as your Savior, God's plan for you is that you uh, dress for success, that you put off the old man. He's corrupt. Remember, one of my burdens in this week is to tell you that it's worth it to serve Jesus, that He wants to favor you and bless you and meet your needs and work in your life. And so what He's telling us here is if you and I live like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world... If we balk at God's plan like the world does, then we are, we are corrupt. We are living the corruptness of the world, and that brings no joy, no peace, no favor, no blessing. Uh, it robs me and you of the very thing that we really would want if we knew what it was. And that's God's blessings, God's favor, God's peace, God's joy, a life of uh, contentment and blessing. That's what we want. And, and when we dress the way the world dresses, we put on the old man, live according to the old man. It's corrupt, but if we are putting on the new man, we're dressing for spiritual success, the new man is created after God in righteousness and true holiness, and the key to it all, remember, is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Are are you aware? Did you pick up last night that I'm, I'm, when I tried to tell you what a counselor does, why do you have a counselor at the wilds? Because this is a person that as you're learning this week, well, this old man, I shouldn't be living this way, and I want to put on the new man. How can I be renewed in the spirit of my mind? You've got to learn to live the new man life. I was in a church recently in Michigan, and um, the pastor and I were going to lunch, and my son Matthew was with me, and so Matthew and I met the pastor at his office before we left for lunch. And when I went into his office, I noticed a bicycle in the corner of his office. It was a really nice bicycle, and I just casually mentioned it. You know, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, there was nothing about it. I just said, uh, hey, it's a cool bike. He said, uh, tell you what I'll do. He said, I will give you $100 bill if you can ride that bike. Now, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? What's the catch here? I mean, this is, he said, no, I'm serious. All you got to do is get on that bike, ride it out my office door to the other side of the office. It was probably from uh, uh, the top of the stage right here to the door right there was the length. If you can ride it that far, I will give you $100. And so, I was like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. So I uh, got on his bike, and I made it this far. I couldn't ride it. I've ridden a bike since I was four, but I couldn't ride his bike. And the reason I couldn't ride his bike was that uh, his bike was a special trick bike, and it had one thing different than every other bike I've ever ridden. The only thing different was that if you wanted to go to the right, you had to steer to the left. And if you wanted to steer, if you wanted to go to the left, you had to steer the bike to the right. I mean, I was thinking, okay, okay, I see the little trick now, so now I got it in my mind. I got a reverse steer so I can ride it. So I tried again. Couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. It was not possible. I tried. Now, my son Matthew is 6'2". He's athletic. He's a, a half marathoner. He's very capable athletically. Oh, he said, I can do that. All right, buddy, have at it. He made it that far. He couldn't do it. It's impossible. The reason being is because once you've learned to ride the bike, it's a whole matter of steering and balance and, and everything just fits together on a bicycle once you've learned it. To learn it the other way is it requires a complete new thinking. Now, you can ride that bike. It just takes t- time to learn how to rewrite. You have to completely learn to balance differently and steer the opposite direction. It is recommended, however, that you don't learn that. The reason being is because once you learn to ride that bike, it is very hard to drive a car. Because as you're driving along, here you're coming up to a curve and you've got to go around the curve, your brain will say to you, steer the opposite direction, which is never a good thing if you're driving a car. I couldn't ride the bike. Pastor said, you know, Brother Dave, I've offered that $100 bill to people for the last, I don't know how many years, he said, and I still have that $100 bill. Nobody without renewing their mind could ride that bike. Now, here's the deal. Young people, here you are in chapel at the Wilds in the summer of 2018, and a lot of you are living old man lifestyle. You got music in your life you shouldn't have. You got entertainment in your life you shouldn't have. You got anger issues. You got problems with your tongue, which we're going to talk about today. You got dating issues. You got mom and dad issues. You got authority issues. You're living according to the old man. And, and what, what we're trying to tell you is that God wants you to move over here and walk a different lifestyle, ride a different bike style, if you will. And you know what you've got to learn to do? You've got to renew in the middle your mind. You've got to get into God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and to transform what you've always thought as that old man into what God wants you to do and how God wants you to live. Remember um, the, uh, yesterday, I, I put this on the screen, and I'll show it to you probably every day. As we learn the Word of God and apply it to our lives, we're renewing our mind. We're learning to pedal and steer differently. As we learn the Word of God and apply it to our lives, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and makes us more like Jesus. And as He does, the result is, then you and I can have the blessings of God. You said, many of you last night, when we finished the service in this auditorium, you said, I want the blessings of God, then here's what it's going to take. You've got to get in God's Word and learn it and apply it, and as you do, the, the Holy Spirit will take that and make you like Jesus. Literally, Jesus will begin living in your life, is how the Bible says it, so that there could come a place in your life where your words, these, these words that come out your mouth, oh, those are Jesus' words. These hands, oh, those are Jesus' hands. These feet of mine, those are, those are Jesus' feet. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now I live live I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me When when the word of God is applied to your life and the Holy Spirit takes the word and makes you more like Jesus The result is that your life becomes Jesus life and you have the blessings of God You have peace you have joy you have favor you have God's direction in your life You can discover God's will for your life. You will be glad When you learn to live the new man so dress for success. So, so we, we covered these first few verses yesterday, and you did them in your God night time. Today now, I want to talk with you about the incredible power of the tongue. The incredible power of the tongue. Now, you have two different verses in this passage. As you're putting off the old man and putting on the new man, you have two verses addressing the tongue. Verse 25, wherefore, putting away lying. Say the word lying. Okay, that was kind of weak. Let's try it one more time. Wherefore, putting away Speak every man truth, say the word truth, Truth. all right, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That's your first command, that's your first command. The second one is in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, no corrupt communication, but, but, that which is good to the use of edifying, edifying, edifying. So you're to put off dishonesty and put on truth. You're to put off corrupt communication and put on edification. Let's look at these commands. Here's the first one. Put off dishonesty and put on truth. Here's a question I want you to consider this morning. What's the big deal about dishonesty? When the Bible starts talking to me and you about living the Christian life so we can have the blessings of God and and applying the Word of God to our life, here's the first area he discusses. Honesty. The first matter he covers is your tongue. Honesty. He starts with the very basic element of lying versus truth. Now, what's the big deal about dishonesty? Is that a valid question? What's the big deal? Three things I will show you. What's the big deal about this matter of honesty versus truth? Dishonesty destroys. Are you aware of that? Dishonesty dishonesty destroys trust it destroys relationships it can destroy friendships dishonesty can destroy a testimony because you know what if you're at school and you cheat on a quiz or you cheat on a test you're dishonest on a quiz or a test now if you're caught the teacher can't trust you your dishonesty will destroy it also deceives and here's what's weird about dishonesty it deceives others that's a given isn't it if I lie to you I deceived you but you know what? When you and I are dishonest, and that is the habit of our life, we not only deceive others, we deceive ourselves. How many of you? I say this hesitantly, but have you ever met somebody that uh, it, it's pretty obvious that uh, they just flat out lie all the time? I mean, do you know I anybody mean? like that? I mean, it's just it's obvious. It's like there's no way. We got this kid down the street. He hangs out at my house quite a bit, and. Uh, I guess he's nine or ten maybe and uh, he's everything he talks about is uh, is over-the-top amazing Uh, I mean he's 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 just obviously a little boy But uh, if you're if you're skateboarding, he will tell you the tricks he can do He can on a skateboard do backflips It's just always over the top and it's like there's no way kid you can even get out of bed there's no way you're doing a backflip. You can even, even walk straight. Are you kidding me? But you know what? He says it with such confidence. It's possible to come to the place to where your dishonesty convinces you. Some of you know somebody like that. Dishonesty deceives and it destroys. And do you realize it's a first step toward many other sins? Listen to me this, this morning. Some of your families have had to deal with dishonesty. And the reason some of your moms and dads have been through a divorce, it might have been adultery, but likely it started with dishonesty. Guys, do you realize that before a man ever breaks his relationship with his wife and goes to another woman, he's dishonest. He'll have secret texts that nobody knows about, and he'll lie to his wife about who he's texting. Or she'll lie to her husband about who she's messaging on Facebook Messenger, who she's Snapchatting or Instagramming with. Dishonesty is a step toward many other sins. It's a deadly one. And you know what? You ought to take it seriously because it destroys, it deceives. It's a first step towards all the other sins that are listed in this text. It's dishonesty. And God is telling us in His Word that His plan for you is that you get that out of your life, learn to think truth so you can think properly and think biblically and live a life of honesty. That's God's plan for you. God's plan is that you are honest. I wonder this morning, if I knew about you what the Spirit of God knows about you, how many of you would have to be honest that there, is, there are issues of dishonesty in your life? Uh, it showed up in your, your, your schoolwork this past year. You were dishonest. You were dishonest with a teacher. You've been dishonest with your parents. Uh, you, you, you lied to a coach. You, you lied to a friend. You, you've lied to a counselor. How many of you are in need this morning of putting off the old man and putting on the new, allowing the Word of God to change you from dishonesty to truth? That's the first thing he addresses. Here's the second one. The command in the next verse, in verse 29, is put off corrupt communication and put on edification you and I are not to uh, have corruption in our life the, the word corrupt is a, is an amazing uh, word because it covers an entire gamut. Uh, in a sense in the definite context of the passage uh, he's contrasting corrupt communication with edification edification is the word that means to build up what's edification mean to build up to encourage uh, do you know anybody that's a builder? Is there anybody in your life that's an encourager, that's always edifying? Do you, have, do you have anybody in your life that says to you, "You know what? You you you're doing a good job. Man, that's an, that's an amazing job you're doing. You know, you're a really good athlete. My goodness, I'm impressed with you. Man, that's a that's a, that's you're you're an incredible musician. That the way you played that that is amazing. Everybody enjoys being edified. But here's you what know, the Bible is saying: You're to be that everybody. You're a child of God on your way to heaven. You're not to have corrupt communication. In life. You're not to be tearing down and destroying and, and corrupt in the way you talk. You're to build up. You're to encourage. You're to be a blessing to people. Let me show you some verses. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 18. How about that one? Let, let's talk about our tongue for a few moments. And this is a great place to start. Proverbs chapter 12. And just to make sure I'm saying it to you right, I'm going to turn to it and I'm going to read it to you. Are you ready to listen? If you are, say, I am. All right, listen to this verse. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Say out loud, say piercings of a sword. All right. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the Bible says, the, the Bible says here, but the just, um, I lost the verse, wrong verse, but the tongue of the wise is hell. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, that's the corrupt communication side. But the tongue of the wise is health. The tongue of the wise. Uh, now let me uh, illustrate for you this morning. Uh, are there counselors in the room? Are the counselors here? Who's the uh, biggest, baddest, strongest counselor guy in the room? I need uh, I need one of you to come help me. So, uh, are you the man? All right, give me a counselor guy. Who's first? Come on, come on. I need one. All right, come on. on. Here's our man right here. All right, bro, come up here and help me. What's your your name? This is Michael. How many of you all know Michael? All right. Michael, you can stand over here for me, would you? In fact, no. how about you stand over here, and I'll stand on that side, all right? Now, Mike, Michael and I are going to illustrate this verse for you. The Bible says, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. All right, now, I asked for a tough guy. Would that be you? Maybe. Because right. um, I, I brought this morning my Kershaw. That's not a sword, but I got a little knife here, all right? It's my special knife, all right. It's pretty sharp. You want to check it out there? It's a nice knife. It's a gift. I have good friends, don't you think? Right. Now, Michael, here's all I want you to do. I want you to put your hand up like this, all right? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak like the piercings of a sword. The only thing I want to know from you is how much can you take? Is this fair enough? How much can you take? And uh, it's all right if you can't take much. It's fine. It, it is pretty sharp. And I, we I don't, have I, we do have nurses. Yes, we do. And... Um, Let's not get to know them if we can help it though. All right. Uh-huh. Now, now, it's a simple little thing. But do you, do you see, young people, if I took that, you can already feel that, can't you? I can't I'm just barely touching them. And I brought a really sharp knife. So I, I brought it. Now, if I put a little pressure right there, not only would it hurt now. You ever had a wound in a place that was prominent? So that every time you go to ride, it's like, eh. You, you ever had, how, how, many of you, how many of you are feeling the stairs? When you go up down the stairs, you're like, I heard in places I didn't know I existed. How many of you are like, are you feeling that? My son yesterday went to the Fourth Falls. And going up the stairs last night, he was like, eh. And so I got my little handy-dandy flashlight out and decided to help him a little bit. No, I didn't. But I did think about it. Now, this, is, this is a silly illustration. This is a silly illustration. You know what the Bible is saying right here in Proverbs is that when many of you talk to your parents, that's how you talk. Piercing of a sword. In the same way that it damages you and hurts you when your mom and dad use corrupt communication. That is so stupid. What is wrong with you? Oh my word. When I taught you any better than that, words pierce. And they hurt. Now I didn't, I didn't hurt Michael this morning. But this knife is sharp enough to do so. If I put a little pressure on it at all, I could get some blood. You know, I'm telling you, this is so simple. But in this room this morning are young men and young ladies, and you are on your way to heaven. You are children of God. But the way you talk to your parents, and the way you talk to each other, and the way sometimes you respond in anger, and cutting and biting with your words... It's like the piercing of a sword. And the Bible is telling us in these verses, that's no way for a Christian to live. Michael, thank you, you to men. Um, Proverbs 12, 18, let let me me just, let's evaluate four areas and our time is gone. Let's evaluate, let's see here, let's evaluate our talk, our entertainment, our online posts, and our influence. All right? Here, Here we go. Let's talk about our talk which best describes you now look at the screen here and think about it which best describes you sarcasm harshness belittling or negativity are you always around like this oh my word there's nothing to do i am so bored you know what i do with my family when my kids say i am so bored we find work and so nobody in our family says that much uh, 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 do these words describe you sarcasm you know it's not wrong Sarcasm's not wrong because sometimes sarcasm is just funny sometimes it's so, somebody it, sometimes it's just it's downright hilarious sometimes but you know sarcasm is a little bit like salt if you put a little bit of salt on your food it's good stuff if you unload the whole thing and some of you don't have enough wisdom to use sarcasm wisely some of you are so harsh the way you talk to your siblings you're harsh. Some of you guys have a younger sister and you are so harsh to her, it's pathetic. I wouldn't put up with it if you are my kid. I wouldn't do it. It's no way to treat each other with harshness. Don't you hate it when your mom and dad are harsh with you? I got to tell you something. Some months ago, I took a day off and um, I spent some time with God that day just examining my own heart because I had been busy and preaching and traveling and I felt like I needed revival, my own life. And so um, one of the things I prayed that day was this. I said, God, and I'm serious about this. I said, God, is there any area in my life where I need to grow, where I'm displeasing to you? And seriously, without any hesitation, I sensed the Spirit of God convicting me of that second word that in my busyness i'd been harsh with the kids i didn't mean to be but i was the spirit of god convicted me about it so here's what i did i did what i'm trying to show you this week i got my bible and i found some verses about the tongue and about gentleness and i started reading them and memorizing them and praying about them renewing my mind so i could put off that old man and put on the new several days after that I was home and uh I don't get home very often I'm here this week A Saturday morning I will leave and drive home to Florida I'll be home Saturday night and Sunday and then Monday morning I fly to another camp I'm gone for 2 weeks before I get home again then I'm home 3 days and then I'm gone 2 days I'm home 3 more days and then I'm gone for another week and then I'm home for a week, and then I'm gone for two more weeks. I'm not home very often, and so when I am home, there's, there's, there's the lawn to take care of, there's maintenance on the vehicles, there's mail to take care of, doctors, there's all kinds of things I have to do when I'm home, so being home is busy, and I have kids to help me with being home. And I was working at home, I was busy taking care of stuff, you know, I had a list, I'm checking things off my list, and my son Matthew came into the garage where I was working, and I asked him to help me with something. I don't remember what, it it wasn't a big deal, it was like, you know, get me that, or help me with that, or would you take care of that for me? How, How many of you, how many of you are aware of the fact that sometimes when you're a teenager, your parents say something to you, and here's what you hear, wah, 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 wah. How many of y'all are aware of that as teenagers? Do you, ever, do you ever say something? your mom and dad ever say something to you? And, and you're like, uh, uh, I don't get it. I read in a biology book on the internet, so I know it's true. That we should be patient with you as teenagers because your brains aren't fully developed yet. That's what I read on the internet. And, and sometimes I think it's true because my, my son, I, I'm in a hurry. I gotta get stuff done. You know what? I gotta get this finished so I can go study my sermons and go help teenagers love Jesus Christ. So I said, help me, son, and he's like Ooh, and he didn't get it. And I got bothered. But you know what I did? I let him have it. So crying out loud, son. You're you're becoming a man. You got I need help, you gotta help your dad. It's not a big deal. You're, you figure this out and help me get the job done so I can get on the road and help people not be so harsh. <laughs> and I just let him have it. My son was very respectful. He just quietly left the garage. And, and this is the truth. He walked out of the garage and the Spirit of God walked in. The Spirit of God said, that's what I'm talking about. The way you just spoke to your son is what I was speaking to you about the other day. We have a weight room in our garage. You can probably tell that, can't you? (laughs) I went and uh, I knelt at the weight bench. And the Lord and I made that right. And I called my son back in and apologized to him. Which best describes you? Sarcasm, harshness, belittling, negative, or praise, gratitude, respect, gentleness. Are you gentle in how you treat your siblings? Do you have gratitude for the things your parents do for you? Is there praise in your life? Do you show respect? Do you show respect? and our family we always try to show respect because we're christians we we hesitate to refer to a president by his last name like i never let my kids say obama no that is president obama he's the leader of the greatest nation in the world we showed him respect president obama i do the same thing with president trump i don't start casting sarcastically throw out a name there I may disagree with a leader on any number of issues, but he's the leader of the greatest nation in the earth. So I show him respect. Do you show your mom and dad respect? See, well, they don't show me respect. Can't help them because they're not here, I can help you. See, you don't know how my parents are. They never apologize. Do you? My mom and dad are so negative. Are you? Do you, do you, does your talk say, I, I'm not living like the old man, I'm living like the new man, or would this be an area where you and I ought to spend time with God and say, God help me? Let's talk about our talk. Let's talk about our entertainment. Which best describes you and your entertainment? Uh, the entertainment I look at, the words I'm listening to, they're filthy, they're off-color, they're trash talk. Is that your entertainment? The YouTube videos you watched last week before you came to camp, would those words describe the entertainment you had last week on YouTube or the movie you watched at the theater with your buddies? Which describes you and your entertainment? Filthy, taking God's name in vain, the F word flowing freely. You're a child of God. This is no way for a Christian to live. The Bible is telling you in this passage, get this out of your life. Which best describes you in your entertainment? Filthy, off-color trash talk or clean, pure, Christ-like? How clean are you when it comes to your words? How clean? Do you have anybody in your life, guys, that you have never heard tell an off-color joke? They never are inappropriate. About girls or guys, never. Which best describes you? Are you always clean and pure and Christ-like? Which best describes your talk? Which best describes your entertainment? How about, um, how about the Proverbs eighteen twenty-one? Listen to this verse. Proverbs eighteen twenty-one. The Bible says, "Death and life." Say, "Death and life." are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Do you hear that? Which, which uh, best describes you in your posts online? These are your words. When you Snapchat, when you, when you post online, these are your words. Which best describes you in your words, bullying, unkindness, they're off color, they're negative? Are you one of those persons that when you're online, you're always ripping on somebody? Oh, my word, you won't believe what she said. You won't believe what he did. This is so stupid. This is so dumb. Is, is this your post online? Are you bullying? I'm telling you, young people, bullying is wrong. Shame on us that because somebody doesn't have the coolest shoes in the world, we ridicule them. Shame on us because there's a guy who dresses a little, not as nicely as somebody else, we ridicule them. What is wrong with us in our generation? We make fun of somebody because they don't have the nicest clothes or they have a different haircut. We we, we ridicule that. It's bullying and it's wrong. Children of God shouldn't, the world shouldn't be that way. But certainly, you and I shouldn't be that way. Which best describes you in your posts online? Would yours be gentle and kind and clean and full of joy? How, How are you doing with your communication your tongue which best describes you in your posts online listen to James chapter 1 here's a here's a verse for you James chapter 1 and verse 26 is a great verse uh, I'm gonna read just the first part of it and then ask you to help me do something we got to six minutes all right if any man among you seem to be religious okay stop if any man among you seems to be religious okay now, nobody but us. Let's do this. All right, don't get carried away All right, but I want you to do something don't say anything Don't say anything But stop looking at me Look at the people around you go ahead everybody look around you You a good look All right now look at me I'm gonna ask you a question and I want you to answer out loud Don't we kind of seem to be religious Okay, you didn't answer Okay, I'm going to give you the. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the answer. Okay, the answer is, yeah. Okay, so I'm giving you the answer. Look around, look around, look around, look around, look around. Everybody, look around. Look, 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 look. Now look at me, look at me. Don't we kind of seem to be religious? Hey, it's it's it. What is today? It's Wednesday morning, and you're sitting in chapel hearing Dave Young. You got your Bible open, you're in church on Wednesday morning in the summer of 2018. Come on, are we religious? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're religious. Oh yeah, say it, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, we are. We are religious. Here we are in church in the summer of 2018 on a Wednesday morning. We are religious. Now listen to what your Bible says. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue bridleth not his tongue the bible says these words his religion is vain empty worthless of no value what apparently apparently James is saying this Our words can undermine the value of everything we say we believe. Some of you kids go to public school, and you say, I'm a Christian. But at the school lunch table, your words say otherwise. When we read your posts online, they say otherwise. The entertainment that you're allowing to come into your life the words you listen to in your entertainment say otherwise. Our words can undermine the value of everything we believe. There are young people in this room, and one of the reasons that you are struggling about this issue of God and who He is is because you have a mom or dad in your life that claim to be a great Christian and smile at church and everybody respects them, but at home their words say otherwise. I've lived long enough to know that you can be a hero at church and a zero at home. I've even met pastors that are eagles in the pulpit, buzzards with their family. Our words can undermine the value of everything we believe. So I'm done in just a second. Which best describes you and your influence? Do you make Jesus look bad? Or do you make Jesus look good? If the only thing I knew about Jesus was your words, the jokes you tell, the things you watch, the posts on your internet, do your words make Jesus look bad or do your words make Jesus look good? Here's some concluding thoughts. How many of you agree that our words are powerful? How many of you agree with that? That's why the Bible says here, get the dishonesty out of your life and put on truth. Renew your mind through the Word of God and learn how to be honest. Don't let corrupt communication in your life, bad language and all that, and and language that tears down and belittles and is negative. Your words are so powerful. Put on the new man. Dress for spiritual success. Get the Word of God in your life. Those words are powerful. Here's the second one. Our words are to prove our Christianity. The world will listen to what you say, and your words ought to say, Jesus is good. I'm the real deal. I'm the real deal. Are you the real deal? I wouldn't dare ask you to respond to this, but if I asked some of you, how many of your parents say they're saved? Many of you would raise your hand. Well, yeah, they do if I said to you. How many of you wonder if they really are based on how they, some of you would raise your hand and say, I wonder if they really are. Our words are to prove our Christianity. Guys and girls, I ask God all the time to help me to be loving and gentle and gracious and thankful and sweet so that my wife will know that Jesus is real in Dave Young that my sons and daughters will know Jesus is real. Our words are to point people to Jesus. They're to point people to Jesus. You kids in the public school, when's the last time you pointed somebody in your school to Jesus? By your words. You kids in the Christian school, when's the last time you pointed another teenager to Jesus? When's the last time you Christian school kids were in your auditorium sitting with your other Christian school buddies and a stranger, a a, a teenage stranger, had never been there before, was in your auditorium sitting by themselves and you did not say one word to them. You didn't go to see if they wanted to sit with you. You didn't reach out to them. Some of you down the street from your house is a teenager and, and you know they don't know Jesus. You know they're not saved and you've never one time with your words pointed them to Jesus. You got a spiritual issue in your life. You homeschoolers? I know you never get out of the house. We homeschool. So I know how this is. But you homeschoolers got a kid on your street. They already wonder how life is like for you because they know you don't ride the bus and they know that you're done by school at 9 a.m. They got all kinds of weird ideas about your homeschooling. I know it, I know it, they do. But you know what? You can reach out to them with your words and point them to Jesus. Our words are to be pure, and here's the point, as we learn the Word of God today and apply it to our lives, the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and make us more like Jesus so we can have the blessings of God. And as you walk out of this auditorium this morning and you go sit quietly to go through your God and I time today and evaluate these verses, may God help you to examine your tongue Make things right, get the Word of God into your life, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to make you more like Jesus. Father, bless the time that's to follow. May we respond to you and your Word, and may you change our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.